welcome back to Never Have I Ever hosted a podcast. I'm Danny, and I'm Clara. And today we will be discussing the sixth episode titled "Never Have I Ever Been the Loneliest Boy in the World," written by Aaron Geary and Ben Steiner, and directed by Kabir Akhtar. Yep. And uh, before we get too deep into things, I'm going to let Ben and Nalini tell us a little bit about what's going on in this episode. Are you okay, sweetie? I'm fine. Uh... I just, uh, I haven't eaten dinner with anyone in, like, a long time. Oh, you poor thing. I'm fine. You know, my, my life is totally awesome. I don't, I don't even know why I cried. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, maybe I was allergic to the shot. Or, uh, or something. Uh, was there bee pollen in it? There was not. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Clara, what did you think of this episode? Well, you know, I mean, this is, I think, the episode that we have talked about most between the two of us. So you know that I love this episode. Um, I always love a good perspective shift, but I think this is also, like, it's a nice time in the season for it. Obviously, perspective shift to Ben says something with regards to your theory, (laughs) which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But it's just, you know, it's good. And there's some really good, like, comedic moments in this. I love the, like rick and morty catfishing moment and of course (laughs) your favorite meme of all time debbie uh venmoing five dollars to ben so he doesn't have to eat with uh eat pizza with pedophiles anymore but yeah it's just like a moment yeah it's a good solid episode it does a good job of like bringing in a perspective other than davies and i think that's really important because her perspective is so like She's so mired in her own perspective all the time. And it creates some sympathy for Ben and some sympathy for her. I think it does a lot of good things. What about you? Well, this is legitimately my actual 100% favorite episode. Um, I promise this is true. As the person who's had to hear her say all of these things, this is her actual favorite episode. (laughs) I mean, I don't think anything, anyone would be surprised at this point. Um, But... It's not only because it's all about Ben. Like, I just love shit like this. Like, I'm an absolute sucker for it. Like, when someone decides to add in a new point of view Mm -hmm. or anything like that, whether it be a book or a TV show, I love it and I eat that shit up. Yeah. Like, in the second Magician's novel, when all of a sudden there's a point of view for Julia. Yeah, it, like, it really just, whenever you do that, it makes the whole thing richer. It's great. Yeah. I love it. I hope we have other episodes that are like it in the future. Um, doesn't have to be about Ben, but of course, you know, like I would welcome another Ben episode. But whenever you have like more than one narrator, it also more clearly opens the door for it to possibly be an unreliable narrator. Very good point. Immediately, there's a vast difference um, at how Ben looks at his peers versus how Davy looks at her peers. And Andy Samberg was the absolute perfect choice to do a narration <laughs> for Ben. I was so stoked the first time I heard his voice as the narrator. I think it's really telling that the second person to get a point of view is Ben, too. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel like he's like a second protagonist following Davy or something. Also, I feel like this episode is the jumping off point for Davy starting to have feelings about Ben. <laughs> and I would actually really love to see her point of view like of some of these scenes in this episode well i think right like the scene with ben looking at her and um paxton by the locker that we do see from her point of view in the previous episode right no i don't think so i thought we did i thought we saw paxton confront her paxton does confront her in the episode but they never show that ben was like looking Right, right. But it is interesting to just sort of see, right, like, that's one thing where we can see, like, how, yeah, like, how different it looks from the outside, because he sees Mm -hmm. them as, like, a couple, and from her perspective, she has, like, completely fucked up any chance with Paxton in that moment. Mm Mm-hmm. So we should get on to the episode, but we'll definitely come back to those uh, Ben and Davey moments later on. Unfortunately, we could not get Jaren on to talk about this episode with us, and we really wanted him on, but it's okay. So hopefully he can come on for a special or something. The first thing I want to talk to you about, though, Clara, is we've kind of discussed this a little bit amongst us, but not 
like in but it wasn't that long after the show was released and i remember i read an article that basically said that they didn't like how the show portrayed jewish people and that they came off as only stereotypes and obviously i'm not jewish and you are so i was wondering what you thought about that this is like the best episode to discuss this because i you know it's ben's episode um, well, I mean, in some ways, I actually don't think it's the best episode to discuss it because, like, you don't. I mean, his mom is kind of stereotypical. She probably falls into the Jap, which is Jewish American princess um, stereotype. And I was actually just reading this really interesting book about it's called um, How Jews Became White Folks. And obviously, it's talking about Caucasian Jews. There are black Jews as well. So, you know, whatever. The book was written 20 some odd years ago. Um, but, like, it was really interesting the way that it talked about how, like, the development of both the, like, Jewish mom, the, like, overbearing Jewish mother and mm. the Jewish American princess um, stereotypes, those developed as a way, like, as Jews became more integrated, like, the internal stereotypes that existed sort of became the butt of jokes outside the community and that was a way that like white people accepted Jews before Jews were like fully accepted as white people themselves mm -hmm. so I mean it was kind of interesting and there's like all this crossover with like you know it's they're both anti-feminist um stereotypes in addition to being like weird Jewish stereotypes that sort of like come out of a whole bizarre model minority clusterfuck is that the right word <laughs> <laughs> And, like, his mom is definitely a version of that stereotype, but also we only get her for, like, two seconds. And it is also, like, kind of a stereotype that Jews have these um, professional jobs, uh, like, specifically, like, lawyers and, you know, the banker one is very bad. Um, and, uh, like, all sorts of stuff like that. It Like, I think the problem really is that you don't get any of the history of that, right? So there's been actually a lot in social media in the last couple of weeks because there's been like the whole like Nick Cannon anti-Semitic rant and some Ugh. like weird shit like that. But there's been a lot of people like talking about where these stereotypes come from. And like the banker stereotype comes from basically no one was allowed, like Jews weren't allowed to do most jobs. Um, and uh no since nobody else was allowed to be money lenders like Jews sort of got forced into that profession and i think there's like it's it's definitely not the same but like the way that Jews sort of accessed higher education in the united states pushed them towards certain professions and so i think the problem isn't so much that like Ben's dad is a lawyer or that Ben's mom is a jewish american princess but more like you don't get the context around that so it sort of continues that experience of like there being an internal stereotype that's kind of a joke like the you know bisexual sitting on chairs we can both laugh about like oh bisexuals can't sit on chairs because we're bi but you know it would get a little weird if a straight person laughed at us for that and like didn't know the context so i i think that's probably what people are responding to um i I can't like speak for other people's perspectives, but I tried to like think about where does that criticism come from and, and to what extent is it valid? And that's sort of where I landed that I think like the problem isn't even necessarily that like Ben or his parents fit into these stereotypes is that there's no critical eye on those stereotypes when they're being presented to us. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I do remember that when we were talking, you, you said something basically to the effect of, as there are lots of stereotypes, there's also a lot that aren't stereotypes within Ben's um, story. I mean, you could talk to Ben yeah, in general. Yeah, I mean, Ben is a really fleshed out character. That's And that's the thing, right? Like, I don't think Ben is a stereotype. Um, I mean, he's... He's driven, but so is everyone in Davy's life, right? Like, except for Paxton mm -hmm. and the Hot Pocket, right? Like, most of the people in Davy's life are really ambitious and high achieving and smart. And so, you know, there is a bit of, again, like coming from that sort of model minority bullshit um, stereotype of Jews being high achieving and smart and all these other things. And uh, certainly that's not going to be true of everyone. But I also think like you sort of expect that by virtue of the fact that he is in Davy's circle. 
So I see that less about him being Jewish and more about him being in Davy's circle. And the thing is, right, like he is a really complex character. And in this episode, you see a lot of his complexity. Like you see how strongly he wants family and connection in his life and really how willing he is to like humiliate himself to be able to get some some of that connection with people. He is um, capable of being very vulnerable. He has more sides to him than just that high achieving bit. And so I think for me, like that's where I don't think that Ben is just a stereotype and I like him as a character and as a representation of Jewishness in TV because he does have so many different sides to him. Yeah. Even if boy needs to learn how to dress. <laughs> boy needs to learn how to do a lot of stuff. Um, mm. <laughs> speaking of rolling into it, Ben needs to ovary up. <laughs> Karen over a line from the magicians. <laughs> yes, because it fits so well. Um, but seriously, there are two occasions in this episode alone where he is caught staring, and both times he pretends like he's not. And I feel like this is a very common um, character trait for characters like his, who wear this mask of, like, self-assured asshat, but yeah. that seemed like they're a bit loud and brash. But like Andy Samberg says in his voiceover, at home he was just another quiet, lonely kid. Like... He clearly behaves the way he does because he wants people to notice him. And most people really don't know who he is other than someone who is like a nerd or has a rivalry with Davey. His own girlfriend could care less about his presence. Ugh, and char characters consistently say that they don't know him. I mean, there's a lot there. So we, we should speak about that. Okay, so very quickly going back to the other thing. Shira may also be a Jewish stereotype, and that's one that I would like to see addressed more. I'd like her to get like more of a personality than just Instagram. Um, In what way do you think she is a Jewish stereotype? I think she's it, a it goes back to that Jewish American sure. princess uh, stereotype, right? Like um, sort of vapid and very materialistic and status conscious. Like I think those are very obviously things about Shira's character, and we don't have much else about her. But going back to your like main question here. Um, I do think, like, that was one of the most heartbreaking scenes in this episode, which was also super funny because, of course, it's Ben Norris, was the scene with Trent and what's the other dude's name? Marcus. Yeah, it was Trent and Marcus, where, like, they are saying that they won't go to the basketball game with him because they don't know him, and then they're like, oh, but we'll take the tickets and go with your dad. Like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, right to my core, I felt so bad for Ben in that moment because, like, ugh. There's no way to interpret that that isn't, like, not that they don't know him, but that they don't like him. Yeah. I found it so very sad, the way that Ben gets treated throughout the, the episode. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, it's not the only time. Like, Ben seems to clearly respect Trent and has known him his entire life, and yet he's constantly rude to Ben and, and blatantly ignores him a few times. Um, like you said with Trent and Marcus, you know, like, he invites them to the game, and they're kind of jerky about it. And Trent is definitely nicer to him, like, later in the episode when he smacks him across <laughs> the face. After he slaps him? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, at, like, at the same time, like, there's there's all of that. But Ben doesn't try, you know? Like, he's—and I get that. That was me. I still do that. I am lonely, but I don't try that hard to reach out to people hmm. and, and rectify that. And— I'm okay with and comfortable with my online personas and and in some ways that is easier because it's not that deep. And you can see that Ben is similar. I mean, he goes on Reddit and he has all this this like fun online persona there where he gets angry and argues with people about um, Rick and, and it Morty. stimulates <laughs> it stimulates his need for attention. Mm -hmm. And then I also jokingly thought of Colin Robinson from What We Do in the Shadows here. <laughs> because I felt like he was getting trolled by Colin Robinson on the Oh Reddit. yeah, that guy is a little <laughs> bit of an energy vampire. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think that's really true. I think the more you talk about it, the more you remind me of Ben. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no, I mean I think there's something to it though, right? Like he I think it's so striking to me when he is vulnerable and opens up with um, Davy and with her mother and uh, Kamala because that is what is strikingly missing from the rest of his interactions with his peers. Like, 
the reason that nobody like really likes him is because he just acts superior to them all the time and he doesn't really make any effort with them until the moment when he needs them and then it's like oh okay yeah no we don't have a relationship um, exactly as sad as you can feel for him you can also realize like why these people treat him that way yeah because he's sort of set it up that way because he doesn't want to like he just wants people to s- even though he is really upset that like Shira only wants to be with him for his money and status he sets that up for himself right I think he doesn't know any other way of connecting with people probably has really shitty self-esteem and doesn't think there's anything else that people would care about him for and that yeah. I think probably comes from his parents conditioning too right like his parents are super status conscious and oh god his mom in that when she's saying goodbye to him that whole scene is just like really heartbreaking but if that's all you've ever learned yeah of course you're gonna replicate that so i mean that's another way where like i think romance or not romance right like his relationship with davy is really unique in his life yeah and in hers definitely i want to jump to the scene with uh with paxton (laughs) caught staring at him because it's really funny and Paxton isn't necessarily like an ass about it in the way you'd expect him to be. Instead, he's kind of like, it happens to me all the time. And (laughs) I gotta be honest, like it's this entire interaction that made me ship Ben and Paxton in the first place. Yes. (laughs) AKA Bexton. Yes. I'm fully convinced that Ben is bisexual. Like I have a pretty (laughs) decent list of evidence at this point. I don't know if we'll get into that now, but <laughs> she texted has... me about his cuffed jeans. Just FYI, <laughs> cuffed jeans. He owns three <laughs> jean jackets, three, two different colors, and then one has a hood. Like, and that, come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I don't own any jean jackets myself, but. <laughs> but do you own a leather jacket? No. No. Well, do you have a vegetarian basically? I have I have blazers. I okay, so honestly my my closet is a little more it's a little more lesbian than it is bisexual. Uh, <laughs> I definitely have like a lot of blazers and my short haircut and um my big bold colors with my angular face. <laughs> I don't have jean jackets either because they look trash on me, but I have leather jackets. It's like you either are by like a leather jacket by or a jean jacket by. Generally. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a blazer by and anyway <laughs> i would also like to say for the record that i now own a cape this is true he also has um <laughs> like later on he wears like these tartan pants and there's just like a lot of things and like eventually i'm just gonna write it all down and then like read it off because there's quite a bit and there's even like a decent amount in this episode alone <laughs> there's the fact that he's staring at paxton and paxton and it's the oh, yeah. way that paxton responds to him like he has this paxton look on his knows. face <laughs> that he's like responding like bro I, I like i know what it's like to be stared at by someone who's interested in me <laughs> and honestly i would die if these two characters were even a prospect because like people deserve to be straight baited at this point also it would mirror like one of my favorite endings of a tv show ever so that would be cool (laughs) and there's and it would remind me of the distracted uh the distracted boyfriend meme i don't know if you know the whole story behind the distracted boyfriend meme but the two girls and the one with the yeah together (laughs) i just made the the face that's why she's laughing They do. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I think I have a lot of evidence. Like, one of them is (laughs) the fact that on his browser window, the other Reddit tab that he has open is Bob's Burgers. And Bob is definitely bi. It's like those little (laughs) metaphors, okay? For when he has a pop star poster on his wall, and Andy Samberg's character in that is definitely by like is definitely closeted. So, listeners, if you didn't understand what we meant by internal stereotypes before, all of this, this entire conversation is internal stereotypes. It is, <laughs> and you can take it however you want. Um, but us queer people like to make anyone queer that we can. If you are not established, it's the queer agenda. A, it's the queer agenda. If you are not established as a straight character, like, if you don't say, I'm straight, then we have the power to make anybody not straight in our minds. 
<laughs> anyway, what were we talking about before we ended up on here? Well, Bexton? I was just talking about Bexton, and then the, it drops in, you know, with the evidence that Ben is is by. Also, I mean, he's being his his narration is is Andy Samberg, who you know. Oh. consistently plays a closeted character all the time. Okay, so I wanted to say this because, like, that was one of the things. When he gets distracted, I always think that, like, Ben must actually have in his head, like, his internal monologue inside his brain that he thinks of, that is Andy Samberg. I think that, I think what we are hearing in this episode is literally what's going on in Ben's brain, and that's why he sits there staring. It's because it's going on in real time. It's not a voiceover. Interesting theory. This is my theory. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get a crackpot theory in. Of course. But yeah, Bexton would be fun. Um, I'm I'm down for it. They don't have enough interactions in this season to really, like, nail it home. Uh, They have, like, I think maybe two more interactions. But that's, like, something that I would like. Because I really always just hate that trope of, you know, like, the two choices in a love triangle like hate hate each other don't get along like i would love to see them bond yeah i agree with you i think that they could bond over rick and morty because i think that ben could like explain the science behind rick and morty like see him i feel like ben should watch rick and morty with trent I mean, Trent would definitely like it, especially if he was high, which yeah. he probably would be. <laughs> All right, moving on. I also want to see Ben high because I think that would be hilarious. Oh, poor Ben. <laughs> so I want to talk about how sweet Nalini is to Ben. Like, yes. I know he was crying in her office, but she immediately softens to him so easily in a way that she doesn't soften for Davy And... I find that really interesting. Like, she's really nice to him, like, even before he cries, saying that he keeps Davy on her toes. And it's something that I feel like she doesn't even really acknowledge on the other side with Davy. And she calls him a sweetie, for one thing. Plus, she comes to his defense very easily later before dinner. And it seemed like they had to have talked a decent amount just from, like, what Nalini had said to Davy when she gets back. Um... I really like that, like, budding relationship that they have, though, and I would not be surprised to see him at more family dinners, regardless of if Davy and him become an item. And I feel like, you know, this family knew Ben growing up um, from all the various, like, events that Davy and, like, Ben have competed at. And I would not be surprised if he's had some sweet moments with, like, Mohan in the past. It would be really nice to see maybe some flashbacks there. And I feel like there's just so much more to their rivalry that we just don't know about. And I'm really curious about it. And I feel hmm. like, but I feel like Ben is the only white boy that Nalini would ever approve of. I don't think you're wrong about that. But I am interested to hear you say more about that. Like, what, what is it? What, what do you mean when you say you think there's more to their rivalry? I don't know. It's just like, it seems like they just have a very established history. Hmm. Like, I mean, even in all the flashbacks that they've shown so far, it's just... What got them to this point? Like, I feel like there had to have been some kind of turning point to make them dislike each other. Maybe they, like, were friends back when they were really young, um, and yeah. eventually it soured. You know, I kind of wonder if Nalini is part of that, right? Like, I'm I'm sort of thinking about when I was in high school, um, I had a couple friends who were, like, super high achievers, and my, my mom would occasionally say things like, why can't you be more like that person? And I was a pretty high achiever myself, and I think, like, in some ways that can really set you up to, to like, I think you're, I don't know if she was trying to, like, prod my competitive spirit into gear so that I would, like, outperform or whatever, or if there's just something about, like, when you see it with somebody else's kid where you don't have to, like, where you haven't been involved in all of the hard stuff right it just feels uncomplicated in a way that it isn't with your own kids but I could see that like maybe if something like that happened and if Davy saw Ben get positive attention and approval from her mom who she like desperately wants approval from but also like can't admit it that that could really make her angry and resentful toward him yeah they have like a really he has like just a really interesting dynamic with her family and it Mm -hmm. just seems easy like i feel like nalini probably would be okay with her dating ben at some point 
in a way that I don't think she would ever be okay with her dating Paxton. I mean, it's just, it's a mom thing. Her mom yeah. immediately doesn't like Paxton. And usually besides like the stereotypical reasons of she doesn't want her daughter to date till she's 25 or whatever, it's, it's a gut feeling I feel like she has about him. I mean, I think Paxton comes across, he's maybe not as a bad boy because like he's a swimming star or whatever. <laughs> I don't feel like you can be a swimming star and be like a bad boy, but I'm sure we'll get some DMs that will tell us that that's not true. Uh, <laughs> but I think like... He is not a high achiever. I think Nalini would look at him and be like, this is not someone who shares my values. Yeah. Whereas with Ben, right? Like, oh yeah, he is ambitious. He is hardworking. He's going to go to an Ivy League school or whatever. Yeah, that's somebody my daughter can date because that's what I want for her. He's not going to distract her from those things. He's going to like push her along that path. In all the fan fictions, Ben's a... Ben wants to go to Yale in all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. He's going to be there with Rory Gilmore. <laughs> oh, God. Logan. Oof. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's get off that subject as fast as we can. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about his relationship with his parents. We kind of talked about it a little bit, um, but obviously it's really important. His mom is definitely, like, a less caring version of I'm a cool mom. And it's not like his parents don't love him. Like, they obviously do. And, I mean, they actually respond to him and let him know when they're going to let him down um, instead of, like, just, like, radio silence. So he just doesn't seem to be a priority to them. And he's definitely a second choice. And Hmm. it made me really sad. Like, his relationship with his dad is really similar to mine when I was younger when I still had, like, hope when it came to him. Like, when he kept writing and rewriting his text to his dad, like, I really felt that. And honestly, I'm surprised his parents aren't divorced, but the relationship could entirely be transactional, which is why he's probably okay with his loveless relationship with Shira. Although, for the record, I do think Ben actually has some feelings for Shira. He caves almost immediately when she gives him the puppy pout. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not sure I agree with any of that, but I'll let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish, and then. <laughs> also, if your dad calls you buddy or pal, they are promise breakers, a hundred percent. Hello, trust issues. Ben has mommy and daddy issues, which is always fun. I should know, so do I. What are some of your thoughts about his relationship with his parents, Clara? Yeah, so I actually think it's really interesting that you say that they obviously love him. Um, I found it so telling that his mom like didn't understand what model UN was when I'm sure he's been doing it for years and years and years that his dad didn't know his girlfriend's name. Right. Like I'm my dad doesn't know mine either. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm not going to tell you that your dad doesn't love you, but uh, I, I do think there's something right. Like their, their love is definitely not an active love. Right. Like I, I feel a little bit like they, I don't even know if it's that, but I feel like they do sort of see him as an extension of their status, right? Like he's another status symbol, another trophy. A trophy. Yeah. 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 And so I think, right, like he really cares about their approval and connecting with them, even though it's basically impossible. And that's what that like text is about, right? He, Mm -hmm. he doesn't feel like he can be his whole self because he feels like if he is authentic and shows that he like has any needs of his own or is upset by the way that they treat him, that Mm -hmm. then he won't even be a status symbol to them anymore. Right. Like he'll, he'll be totally useless to them. Um, And I really feel for that. Like, it's just, it's so hard when you feel like you have to just shrink yourself down and uh, hide everything about yourself for people to, like, basically just give you the bare minimum. (laughs) It's emotional neglect. I, I mean, like, I just, like, I understand his relationship with his parents in some way. Like, my mom was, was never like his mom, but my dad... The biggest difference would be that my parents were divorced and my dad, like, you know, has a second family now um, and he wasn't around for so many years. So it's like our relationship basically just became like him buying my affection all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until 
he got with my stepmom that I even really wanted to be around him too much because I, I didn't like him. But I still had hope, like a lot of hope. And then eventually it just kind of ceases. Like you just realize mm -hmm. like, like I'm not even going to attempt to get you to promise me anything because I know you're not going to follow through. Well, and at some point, right, like you have to stop shrinking yourself down, right? Like you just have to carve out space for yourself, even if your family is not going to carve out that space for you or is not going to make that space for you. And if they can't deal with that, then at a certain point, like you just have to draw that boundary and be like, okay, this is, this is what I need. If you can't give it to me, okay, but I still need it and I'm still going to go find it. And if I can't get it from you, then that puts limits on our relationship. This yeah, got I'm really, deep and I'm really slightly curious dark. to see how, <laughs> how his relationship with his parents will like unfold like later on. Because... Yeah, I mean, I would really like to, I'd like to see beyond the like two second stereotype versions of them. Um, yeah. That would be actually a really interesting perspective episode. I think doing perspective episodes of all the parents could be really cool. Like doing yeah, a Nalini episode. They could get that into like one episode and just kind of do 10 minutes to each parent <laughs> did you have any other thoughts about their relationship the, the i think parents? those are the broad strokes it's it's hard to get too much out of it because we just don't have don't there's have not much to go on yeah oh yeah i just want to mention really quick the moment where he gets catfished by uh, a creepy dude mm -hmm. um, it i feel like it's just really telling that you know, he has a lack of interaction and friendships in his, his real life, and it leads him to meeting up with someone from Reddit, IRL, which is it's, oh. it's a lot, because he, he's probably only talked to this guy, it seems like, casually through comments, like also, he never even had a full conversation. Yeah, that was not a private message. He said that he lived in L.A. on a public thread. Uh-uh. Like, rule 101 of Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Um... I mean, like, it's, like, a, it's a hilarious scene, but it's also, like, really sad, like, yeah. but the funny part about it is, I guess, the castmates would prank Jaren and, like, hide pictures of this, like, the actor that played Rick all over set just to try to get him to break oh character. <laughs> that's, oh, that's hilarious, and I feel a little bit bad for that actor. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's all love, I, like, I think... Everybody knows that the actor's like obviously not like that, and yeah. he's been in a lot of comedies. What one thing I would say about that that I, I don't think I really thought about before we were talking about it is that like in some ways I think that scene is showing Ben a vision of what what will happen to him if he like continues on his current path and doesn't Ooh. open up to people. Because right, Except like he's not a pedo. Well, no, I mean, I also don't know that we actually, I mean, that that's weird, but, like, that's also an interpretation of that guy. No, he but... asked him to blow on the pizza. Yeah, it was it was gross, but <laughs> who, who knows? Um, anyway, but I think it's more like he would be that kind of lonely person, right? Like, who is so desperate for connection that he, like, takes some random child out for to pizza, <laughs> Uh, no, that's straight up creepy. No, but get get okay. Get over the like pedo part for a second, which I know is not a sentence I ever thought I would say. But like, I do think there's a way in which that's a, a vision of Ben's future if he doesn't like get his shit together and actually open up to people. And I think it's telling in part because like the very next scenes we have after that are him opening up to people, opening up to Nalini, and then later to Davy at her house. So mm -hmm. I think he sort of sees it that way, too, that, like, if, if I don't change something in my life, if I don't find a way to, like, develop friends, uh, not just, like, be a dick to people, if I don't find something to connect with people on other than, like, materialism and status, like, I'm gonna be in the same position 40 years down the line. 30 years yeah. whatever well that leads me into our next thing which is obviously talking about ben and davy because we've we've gotten to that part of the episode i just okay i'm not gonna steal your thunder but uh what you're about to say is hilarious let's go for it <laughs> all right let's get into the evidence yes i made up a word the evidence combined you're so <laughs> pleased with yourself. I love it. <laughs> it 
was like it was there it was there um this is gonna be like a kind of like a rant so feel free to jump in um the first thing mentioned <laughs> oh my god episode... it's an entire page sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> The first thing mentioned in the episode is Ben's unexpected allyship with Davy, and as he's leaving the room to his impending doom, he sees the bottle of wine in the trash, and he's like, has the most pathetically adorable smile on his face as he fondly thinks back to the events that transpired the night before. Oh, my love. And then when he, he looks so sad for her when the sirens go by, and she's clearly upset, and of course, he then gets caught, which again, over up Benjamin. <laughs> Talk to her. <laughs> he later Why sees don't you her. kiss the girl? <laughs> I think he would get straight up smacked if he tried to kiss her when she was that upset. But... True. <laughs> he later sees her talking in the hall with Paxton. He's all emo about it, which I clearly took as interest in her. He tries to invite invite Davy to the Clippers game as a last ditch ever, and then he's like, "Why are you mad at me?" <laughs> Which I mean, really, like he has no clue, and I don't expect him to have any clue. <laughs> um, and then of course there's the family dinner. The amount of eye contact that's exchanged between these two, like they're honestly so comfortable with each other. I feel like she's more comfortable with him than she is with some of her friends. Like they don't yeah. break eye contact when he's talking about the Model UN trip and decides not to sell her out. Like, come on, Ben. It's rude not to make eye contact with the person you're actually talking to. Um, but there's small smiles that they have that they exchange. Um, they look down all shy and innocent. And the, those are, like, the moments that kill me and make me ship them way too hard. I feel like <laughs> this moment... I'm just now these... going to picture you as the the little, like, crab from The Little Mermaid forever. <laughs> Just no kiss. <laughs> You're about that tall. Um, <laughs> I feel like this moment and like these moments with Ben at dinner and then afterwards with Davy uh, start. I feel like Davy starts to see the appeal of Ben. And up to this point, I don't think his hint of feelings has been reciprocated. Um, like their conversation in the kitchen, which is actually my favorite scene probably in the entire season. It's these vulnerable moments between Davy and Ben that mm -hmm. I just don't think will ever be possible with Davy and Paxton. Like, I just don't think that they will ever be that level of comfortable with each other. Vulnerability is really something you can't force. You really can't just decide to let your walls down. It just happens. Well, okay, but counterpoint, right? Like, she is pretty vulnerable with Paxton in the hospital when she says, when she, like tells him She's that she thought the coyote was her also on pain medication. Po okay, possibly true. But my point is, right, like, the door has been opened for vulnerability there. He has not reciprocated. But I wouldn't say, I would not say it's impossible. I think that's going a touch too far. I think that the possibility of them being that comfortable and vulnerable with each other is is not possible. They don't have the history. It would It would definitely be hard for them to build that way that quickly. Well, we'll definitely get to some of their more vulnerable moments when we get to them later on in the season. But like I said, you can't just, like, decide to let your walls down. It just happens. I, I also love, though, that Ben is, like, he's sorry for messing things up with Paxton. Like, mm. you could have had a chance, and it clicks that they're both losers who wish they could be cool. Then there's uh, that smile that Ben has after uh, the Venmo exchange from Davey. Like, it's that smile of a boy in love. And that final voiceover from Andy is so sad. Like, today was the least lonely Ben had felt in a long time. So sad. What are some of your Benby thoughts for this episode? <laughs> I don't think there are any more Benby thoughts that could be thought after <laughs> your, what you said. But, I mean, I do think you're right, right? Like... I would actually argue that this is a turning point for Ben as well, because this is where Ben starts to realize that maybe he... I think this is when he admits it to himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's important, right? Like, he sees that there is something that he has with Davy that he can't have with anybody else. And whatever mm -hmm. that ends up being, right? Like, I do think he he goes to Crushland 
like doesn't stop go does not collect two hundred dollars <laughs> um right away <laughs> nope i don't know that i think davy ends up feeling anything more than like platonic friendship for him in this episode but i do think it like breaks her ice wall toward him i think it's more of like the subconscious is opening up to the idea of it rather than like the feelings kind of like how earlier in the season like you can see the progress start for ben's feelings for davy mm -hmm. I, I like i obviously don't think she accepts her feelings for him until like the end of this season like the very end well and obviously she accepts something there obviously other than that there's only just a couple other funny notes that i think that i had about the episode that i just feel like repeating <laughs> for one eric is the best background character ever oh my god <laughs> one of my quotes is from him because <laughs> <laughs> when he turns his 80 into boobs though i okay i'm five so i thought it was funny <laughs> but you definitely have to watch ap bio because i do think that like you need to see heather she is the actual best background character who very quickly became not a background character because she was so funny <laughs> I, I have a feeling that it's going to be something like that with Eric. He just has yeah. these moments that are just so fucking funny. Maybe he's the Todd. <laughs> no, I don't think he's the Todd, though. I feel uh, like he's more like a Josh, maybe. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, there's no way in hell that Ben would have a computer that isn't a MacBook. I just felt like pointing that out. And I also think that I might be better at basketball than Ben, and I don't like that. Um... But I also had one that I had to tell you. I feel like Mr. Shapiro is definitely you if you were a teacher because of his fucking puns for days. <laughs> okay, so I definitely, I was a teacher for a while, and I definitely, there were a lot of puns. Though, in my defense, I taught linguistics, so puns are kind of like, they come with the territory. My students definitely liked me, and I think they thought I was more genuinely cool than i mean mr shapiro is nobody thinks he's cool um, he's cool but i do think his students like him like i don't think they hate him yeah i but i like i think that i don't know maybe i'm inflating my own ego i think my students thought i was kind of cool maybe not i don't know they're college students it's hard like what college students think is cool you're already a nerd right like whatever <laughs> but my yeah. nerds thought i was a cool nerd if that makes sense. <laughs> I don't think I was quite as much of a tryhard as Mr. Shapiro. Definitely, like, my first semester teaching, or first quarter teaching, I was super nervous. But I feel like I figured out who I was as a teacher really quickly and was not quite as embarrassing as Mr. Shapiro. I think what I love about Mr. Shapiro, though, is that he's so unapologetic about, like, the person that he is. Like, he doesn't seem nervous or, like, and that was me Anything. as a teacher. I feel like as a teacher, I was basically how I am as a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> so before we move into fashion, do you have any other just thoughts about this episode? Yeah, I mean, I just I, I just want to reiterate how much I love this episode, too. Like, I do think that perspective shift is good. Uh, I kind of like seeing Ben's perspective on Mr. Shapiro, too, on the bus. <laughs> Can't believe oh, he brought God. egg salad and was like, I brought an extra spoon. Nobody wants that, Mr. Shapiro. Nobody. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a really solid episode and like a good dramatic turn that still has a lot of punchy one-liners, which I'm sure we'll get to very soon. Yes. Welcome to Slayerfest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. Slayerfest 98 is a Latinx-run, queer-centered pop culture podcast. We discuss every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in order, but we also talk X-Men, the MCU, and everything else nerdy and or gay. And sometimes I'm joined by... Hi, I'm James Marsters. Trixie Mattel. Anthony Oliveira, hello. Ming-Na Wen. Emily Niska. Summer Bischel. Charisma Carpenter! Kirsten White. Hi, Amber Benson. Latoya Ferguson. It's Claire Kramer. Adam Sass. Jane Espenson, hi. Hi, this is Stacey Abrams. We can be found on Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are found. You can support us on Patreon to get access to our private Facebook group, patron-exclusive episodes, and more. We can be found on all social platforms at SlayerFestX98. Make sure to say hi. Any and all support is much appreciated. Thanks. So, fashion. Fashion. <laughs> okay. So the first one is Ben's butt in those slacks. Oh my god, Danny. Look at his butt. It's so a butt. 
so big. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really liked Ben's mom's white dress. I loved it. Like, I would wear that. I probably wouldn't be able to afford it, but I Oh, I'm it. sure it's like $9,000. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much, how much clothes cost. <laughs> clothes. I think I only buy new clothes like once every couple years. I actually really like Ben's clothing what? in this episode. I thought he dressed really well. Okay. We're I mean, gonna... it is his episode, I guess. So Okay, but we're like... going to have a throwdown about this because there's a lot of weird shit that happens in this episode. Yeah, so first of all, I don't know what was on his shirt. They're not purple dinosaurs. I think they might be like opossums. I looked again and I think they're like little pumas. I think it's a puma shirt. Anyway, they're like weird and pink. That pattern is kind of odd. But the weird teal v-neck that he wears under the denim jacket oh, yeah, yeah. over that something a, that's like a high neck. That was a basketball jersey. But yes, it was ugly. Is that what that was? It was a basketball jersey? It was a basketball jersey. Oh my god, boy. You do not need that many layers. It, well, maybe you're in chest hair and he's like afraid to show it. Mom's chest know. hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I mean, it was definitely kind of weird. And he lives in freaking the valley. You don't need that many layers ever. Maybe his house is just so fucking chilled all the time. They can afford heat. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's also, like, I just feel like I, I did like elements. I, I do like his denim jackets. He had some, like, white shoes that were meh, uh, And then he had some other shoes that were fine. But, like, one of Ben's dad's clients has to be, like, a model or a stylist or, like, a fashion designer. Can he not get them to teach his child how to dress? The thing is, he has all of these pieces that work on their own. He just doesn't know how to put them together. Like, there's so many moments where he's wearing fucking track pants or, like, joggers instead of jeans. And I was like, boy just needs to learn to wear more jeans. Okay, but so I also want to point this out. The day that he goes to the basketball game, he changes at least three times. Because he has, like, his outfit at school, and then he has his outfit with the jersey over the high neck thing with the denim jacket over it. And then when he finds out he's not going, he changes again. Well, yeah, he got into his clothes that he's going to wear to bed, probably. No, he was wearing, like, another nice shirt. Oh, yeah, you're right. I really like that shirt. (laughs) Yeah, that one actually was a good shirt. Um, (laughs) But a lot of his shirts are just, they're too loud. And also... I like it. I love print. Like, I'm very much like that person. Like, I don't wear it myself, but I do like it. Um, I'm pretty much like tan from Queer Eye. And so like, put them in a print. (laughs) Do you also French tuck? I don't. I don't. (laughs) I think the French tuck is the one thing I don't agree with. (laughs) I mean, it looks good sometimes, but not always. So Um, I will let you get to the rest of your... (laughs) My next note is is the jean jacket thing that they're bi as fuck. I don't make the rules. Um, But yeah, the polo shirt that you're talking about when he's sitting on the couch um, looking at Reddit. I like that one a lot. I really like the button up that he wears for like most of the episode. The bright blue one really brings out his eyes. I like how you both are Ben and have a crush on Ben. (laughs) That was me and my my gigantic crush on Seth Cohen from the OC when I was growing up. He was basically me, but I also had a giant crush on him. I don't make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I like the jean jacket hoodie that he's wearing. I love Davy's outfit when Ben is over for dinner, the floral crop top with yes. the polka dot jeans. Though I can't believe that Nalini let her wear that. It seems uh, way too exposing for Nalini. I don't know how serious her mom is about her wardrobe because there's a lot of times in it that she seems to be wearing shorts or like lower cut things i think there's like a like a middle ground and i think davy is always there like just about to be scolded (laughs) i also like the last outfits that ben and shira seen wearing noticing ben's penguin shirt also reminded me of Seth Cohen from the OC. <laughs> but it also instantly clicked for me that Ben and Cher are basically Seth and Summer if they didn't actually like each other. I don't <laughs> I don't know if you've actually seen the OC, but I think I've seen one episode. I don't know who those people are. <laughs> it's the best show. 
You haven't seen the show that inspired the SNL skit of mm, what you say? Like, come on. No, I was in college. I had like basic cable through my room. I watched endless, <laughs> uh, endless marathons of Law and Order SVU well, while I was, was writing on papers. Basic cable. <laughs> <laughs> no excuse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was my fashion. Do you have any other fashion notes? Oh, the one thing I would add, and I think this was in the last episode too, but like Davy's shirt when she's on the bus is a lot. Especially she's got it like buttoned all the way up and it's oh, the, like floral scary, shirt. Like floral and paisley. There's just so much going on. I feel like her and Ben are very similar in their fashion choices. They always have a lot going on. Mm. I mean, they both have a lot going on, but I feel like Davy is intentional about her choices. And Ben is just like, this was $700, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> yes, but, but I mean, like, I feel like they're similar in the way that they both don't really know how to put items together quite well. Yeah. Like, there's so many times when Davey is wearing, like, a shirt that I, like, love, but I, like, fucking hate the, like, jeans or shorts or whatever she's wearing with them. So they're definitely similar in that way. Okay, one-liners. <laughs> My first one is... Had he said something weird when he was drunk on Grigio? Andy's delivery of that line is just so funny. Of course. <laughs> I mean, Andy's name is just like, could say probably anything and be hilarious. <laughs> I thought there was like a roach on your face, man. Because there's like mad roaches in the school. Trend. Well, and I really like what he said after that, which was... Uh... Where is it? I guess it's good that I slapped you so I could give you this helpful info. Yes. But also, like, why would there be a roach on his face? <laughs> I don't know. Because Trent's high. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and then my next one is, she's obsessed with me, Ben. Which reminds me of Mean Girls because so many things do. I mean, he kind of is Regina George. <laughs> I think he's a little bit nicer than Regina George. Yeah, he's actually got a heart of gold instead of a heart of steel. <laughs> sure. <laughs> heart of gold instead of buns of steel. <laughs> and then, of course, Ben saying, I'm fine, you know, my life is totally awesome. <laughs> yep, <laughs> through his tears. And then the next one is, he's nice, he's smart, and he can never buy drugs because he looks like a narc. Nalini. <laughs> the irony here, though, is, you know, the... The narrator is Andy Samberg, and Jake Peralta is definitely a narc because, you know, he's a cop. Well, and I think, right, like, honestly, Ben probably would be that person uh, if he weren't so desperate to have any friend right in this moment. Definitely. He would definitely narc on someone. And then the, the next one is Nalini as well. My only extracurricular was bathing my senile grandmother. She fought me every time. Oh my god, it was so good. Um, I'm stealing your next one because I wrote it down too and also I put more context in it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, ben, I'm trying to be vulnerable here. Also, we don't call them butlers anymore. We call them house managers. <laughs> it's pretty good. And then Ben also in this scene, I was so lonely. I got catfished by a middle-aged man yesterday. I think he's way older than that, Ben. I love how um, Davy thinks that he's making that up to make her feel better. I know. <laughs> but also, I tried to show my ex the Catfish movie once, and she just, like, didn't get it. And it's a masterpiece. Have you seen Catfish? <laughs> no. What do you think? Watch things, woman! <laughs> I watch lots of things! You still haven't seen Killing Eve, you know and you call yourself bisexual. You haven't! <laughs> and you call yourself bisexual, and you haven't seen The Legend of Korra yet. Trust me, I just saw this meme the other day that was like, which is more bisexual? And one of them was like an actual bisexual person, and the other one was killing Eve, and it was like, tough call. Fucking watch it. <laughs> I thought it was more lesbian than it was bisexual. Whatever. I mean, it's one of them is bisexual. It's fucking, it's queer. We're just gonna go with queer, well, and there's ladies, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> well... 
you watch Legend of Korra, bisexual masterpiece. I'm going to send you a gif of Jodie Comer climbing out of a suitcase, and you're going to wet yourself, and then you're going to watch not it. Not attracted to her. That was not what I meant. <laughs> I didn't mean... <laughs> I didn't mean you were going to pee yourself. We're going to move on. What's your next quote? Anyways... No, you watch Legend of Korra, I will watch that show. <laughs> All right, and then the last one for me is, this is technically a Venmo text, but Davey paid $5. You never have to accept food from a pedo again. Obviously. <laughs> like them. Well, I'm actually really excited because we don't overlap that crazy amount. Um, so here are my quotes other than the ones that I've already raised. Um, when the chem teacher is like, how do you know it was bad milk, Eric? And he says, well, when I smelled it, it smelled bad. And then I was drinking it and it got way worse. I could barely even finish my second glass. You know who he actually reminds me of is Andy from Parks and Rec. A little bit. But, you know, more like, he's like if you mixed Andy and Jerry into one person. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, that segues nicely into my next quote, which is um, Rick the Pedo saying, I joked about getting a Mr. Meeseeks for the office, and my coworkers looked at me like I was a total Jerry. Jerry. (laughs) I love Mr. Meeseeks. That's probably my favorite character from Rick and Morty, because existence is pain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I already gave my Trent quote, so my next one is Nalani. Everybody, we have a very special guest tonight. Kamala, please lower the spice level accordingly. (laughs) As she gestures at his pasty face. I had trouble picking one Kamala quote because she was so funny in this episode, but I went with, Today I learned that if you forget your wallet at the grocery store, the cashier will pay for your items personally and even give you his phone number to make sure you get home okay. While everyone around her is like, Uh... (laughs) I figured you would also pick that one, so I didn't put it in my list, because I was like, there's quite a few in there, but, you know, I like to leave some for you. There's definitely not as many in this episode, because there's a lot of quiet moments, and it's a lot of voiceover. Well, but the other good Kamala one was when she, like, knocks the pan off after (laughs) Davey and Nalini have already said something offensive, and then she goes, oops, my pan! I thought that would be loud for longer! (laughs) Yeah. God, that would be so awkward, though. I don't blame her. Oh. Okay. So, we're up to our MVPs. I have two. I refuse to choose between them. First, obviously, Jaren Lewis and for Ben, for so many reasons. But also, like, I know from talking to so many people about this show that if they weren't already in love with Ben, this was usually the episode that made them realize that he was a worthwhile character. Yeah. And two, Andy Samberg for just jumping in and narrating the fuck out of the episode. Awesome. <laughs> but I also want to give a shout out to the writers and the director because this episode also wouldn't be possible without them. Yeah, I think it's a really well-written episode. I'm going to choose between those and say that I'm going to give it to Jaren. I think he delivers a great performance. You hear it at the end of the clip we played, but just the, like, tiny little extra hiccup cry at the end. Like, it's the little things like that where he just does such a good job of being pathetic. (laughs) He's very, very good actor. He's very, like, he has his expressions down. Like, I think I said that in the very first episode. Yeah, very expressive eyes. Very and expressive, eyebrows. like when he's like blowing on the pizza and like the guy says a creepy line and he just kind of like, uh. <laughs> it's, he's just really good at what he does and he's good at making these things that could be weird or creepy or sad into being funny. Yeah. Jaren definitely gets it the most out of everyone. But you have a crush on Andy Samberg too is what you're telling us. <laughs> how can you like, how can you not have a crush on Andy Samberg? I mean, he's kind of a weird-looking dude, but, like, if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I feel like you can't get out of that without having a crush on him. He's really good in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's true. I mean, like, it's... His character is adorable. So funny, because my best friend Erin is very picky. I know you know this, because you've also had to hear her talk. (laughs) (laughs) But... So mean, Erin! I love you, Erin! She is in 
love with Andy Samberg, and he's like absolutely nothing like anybody that she would ever like. I can see that though. Most people need one emo boy, and she needs one nice guy. One, one like, nice, like goofy, fluffy, dude. funny. Yeah, she needs like one I'm goofy. Always dude. like, <laughs> she's never agreed with any of my like weird comedian crushes. Like, I have a lot of weird comedian crushes. Like, I think Jason Siegel is one of the most gorgeous men on the planet, and it's mostly because he's hilarious. Huh. I also love Paul Rudd, but I, mean, I think everyone funny. loves Paul Rudd. Everyone loves Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd hasn't aged since he turned 35. Yes, he has not. He's. I would go on the record and say that Paul Rudd is probably the sexiest man alive. I think possibly one of those fancy magazines that does those things has. I don't think he's ever gotten it, but I could be wrong. So I have a really dumb final topic that I want to talk about because it's me as everyone is established by now, we used to host a magician's podcast. And I want to talk about what disciplines the Never Have I Ever characters would have if they went to Break Bills University. So first of all, a very brief synopsis of the series so you can understand what we're talking about. The Magicians has many, many, many times been called Harry Potter meets Narnia for adults, which is all fine and dandy. It's so much more than that. For one, it's a modern-day urban fantasy, but way more highbrow. It's like if you took all of these amazing fantasy concepts and turned them on their head and also inserted books like The Secret History and Brideshead revisited into it. It's very queer, very diverse. Highly recommend it for anyone looking for something fun to watch or read. So in vain of, like, a Hogwarts house, the students who go to Breakbills, which is a magical college, have disciplines, and then they also have specialties within that discipline. That's like the simplest way that I can break it down. Um, but the disciplines are physical, illusions, natural, knowledge, healing, and psychic. First of all, I'll start. This is Ben's episode, so I'll start there. As much as I want Ben to be a physical kid, I think he'd be a knowledge student. No, no way. Absolutely. And I think his discipline would be something more similar to like Julia or Fogg's and metacomposition. Yeah, I kind of, that's possible for sure. I, I don't really know the disciplines within knowledge that well other than There's metacomposition, meta like... the, um, the circumstance one, and hmm. uh, horomancy is one as well. I could totally see him being the circumstance one because like he is very sensitive to like minute changes in other people's moods and behavior. Yeah. Like that's the thing you see in this episode and I feel like that. That's kind of circumstancy. Yeah, a little bit. I think the one that they reference in the show is like more mathematical circumstances, but I could definitely see him being like a form of that. Well, he got like maybe a, like emotional circumstances, like, inner circumstances. Yeah. the The one that I think is the hardest to place would be Davy. Um. Mm. No, I think Davy's a physical kid. What kind um, of physical kid do you think she would be? Yeah, so remind me all the details, because I know that, like, Alice is the Phosphor Mancy, and Which is <laughs> I know that Quentin's a nothing Mancer. Uh, <laughs> I think he's that like Paxton a minor would be a physical kid that would be a nothing Mancer. I feel like he would find out really late in life what his actual discipline is. I mean, I definitely think it's also a possibility for Davy because she is so immature, right? Like, that's kind of the justification given for why Quentin doesn't have one. But I could also see her being a phosphoromancer because she honestly like because she's so fiery <laughs> right like I think she just has a lot of um, emotions burst out of her and she's not as quiet as Alice is obviously like she's much more they're much more on the surface with her than they are but the, with the only phosphoromancer we see. yeah that sort of explosive force and then what was Josh in the books Josh in the books was physical I don't think they ever said anything beyond that he's a naturalist in the show though in the books, I think that's also an option for Davy because remember, like he has all this power, but he doesn't know how to harness it, and that also seems like a pretty strong metaphor for like being emotionally yeah, dysfunctional. I could definitely <laughs> see like Josh in the books being kind of like how Davy would be if she went to break bills. Yeah, I definitely think Trent would be like Josh in the show and be a naturalist. Obviously, yeah. Oh yeah, because he's those magical edibles. Yeah. <laughs> The the one that I like thought about for a while was was definitely Fabiola. I think she would be a horomancer like yeah. stoppered because of the mechanics. Like she'd basically be a magical engineer, which yeah. is within knowledge. And I think Eleanor would be a, an illusionist. 
that's pretty much what I went with. (laughs) I mostly thought about, like, the main characters. But obviously, like, Nalini would be healing. Probably Kamala, too. I I think Kamala's knowledge somewhere. I think she might be more of a, like, metacomposition. She could be, definitely, with her her science background. Something. Well, the knowledge one is a really interesting discipline in general because it's like a mix between kind of all of them it's like you're good at everything yeah but I do think people who are like sort of naturally curious and are and that's the thing I think about Kamala right like I think she is curious like she wants to get her degree because she is interested in that subject and not because of what it's gonna like mean for her in terms of career Mm -hmm. she has that just sort of general curiosity and independence yeah um that I think I associate with knowledge students definitely I think the only other ones I thought of was Eve I think Eve would be a psychic maybe a traveler Mm. yeah Um, I can see that and then Jonah I put as illusions as well with Eleanor um what's Eric Eric's probably a hedge witch no (laughs) 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 or like a a magical creature from Fillory or something what's a Hufflepuff in uh in Breakbills (laughs) a Hufflepuff in Breakbills (laughs) because I feel like he's a Hufflepuff probably illusion because they never talk about it that's like the one like discipline that they, they really just like don't talk about much or a naturalist naturalist is definitely the most hufflepuff i think yeah very similar to like (laughs) herbology all right have we covered all our bases or there i think so i just like i just had to have that conversation because we do actually (laughs) have quite a few few uh magicians fans out there i've been reached (laughs) out to by a couple of them so thanks for listening all right and with that i think we have come to the end of our show. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, you can subscribe online wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at NHIE underscore podcast. Bye. Bye. Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast is produced and hosted by Danny Lowry with co-host Clara Shirley Appel. Saxon Ahern is our sound engineer, and Lanier Sammons wrote our heat. Mind slot. Bends, but in those slacks. <laughs>